0: Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're starting something huge here at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church. We have awesome plans in the works. I mean, you heard what all's going on just next week. And then once we hit August 22nd and we have the, that, uh, that big kickoff day for our ministry teams, I just see the next couple of months being huge and awesome and doing some incredible stuff right here in our church, right here in our community, and beyond, I believe that this will be truly pivotal for our church and as I have challenged us for the past couple of weeks, I hope that we will all get involved in this huge opportunity we have. But I have to to admit, I have to confess something to to each of you right now, and and it's a fear that I have, right? We have these huge things that are kicking off, but, but I have this fear. That, that the excitement, the momentum, that it will, it will all wear off. That this will become something that just falls into the background of the life of our church. I have this fear that what we are doing here will not be really sustainable. Because I, think, I fear that we might get burnt out or weary or that we will find something different that captures our attention. I have to confess something else, too. I fear this for not just our church, but for the church universal, for the global church, that the same thing will show up in the global church, that that, that the church is getting burnt out, that the church is getting weary, and that it will not be able to sustain itself for long. After COVID-19 hit, and we had to shut everything down, church attendance in every single church that I am aware of has not been the same. Church participation has not been the same. I fear that we are getting burnt out, that we are getting weary, and that we are turning our attention to other things that might sustain us more. And I fear the same for each of our faith journeys, that our faith will become something that takes a back seat for us. We'll use during crisis times and when bad things happen, we'll turn to it, but it won't be much of a daily thing for us anymore because we might get burnt out and weary. I fear these things because I believe we are in an era of weariness. Truthfully, and and I, I say this not only from my own perspective, but From a larger perspective as well as many of you know uh, in the counseling world I am a nationally certified counselor and so I have a ear to the ground when it comes to these events and we have been in a an enormous mental health crisis in our world because we are getting burnt out we are getting weary we are in an era of weariness we we are in an era of packing our schedules as tightly as we can, to the point of neglecting things that truly matters, and it makes us weary. We are constantly trying to add new things to our schedules, trying to keep ourselves as busy as possible, even when we know we can't keep it up. We are in an era of hearing the same news stories over and over again different people sometimes different places different events but by and large the same news stories over and over again with people complaining about each other with all kinds of hardship and no one is really quite getting it right and it makes us weary we i believe are in an era where we want people to understand us to hear where we're coming from to hear our thoughts and opinions But we have superficial relationships that rarely make those honest connections, and I believe it makes us weary. We are still in the era of COVID-19, and we just thought we were past this, right? We thought that we were in the clear, and then all of a sudden everything flares back up again, and we're wearing masks, and everything's so complicated and difficult to contend with, but we can't show any signs that it may be too much for us to handle because we keep this toxic sense that everything must look perfect in our lives, and it makes us weary. We are in an era where the church in the West is dying, actively dying, but we don't want to get involved because our schedules are too packed, and we would rather devote our attention to complaining about the world rather than serving in it, even though the church might be where we could establish deep and meaningful relationships, but COVID-19 is still present, and it all makes us weary. And I wonder how we could possibly sustain it all. So whenever I say that I confess I have this fear that all of these great things that we have going on in the life of our church won't be sustainable, it's because I fear for us, for each one of us, me, you, those around us, because we are in an era of weariness. As much as we try to pretend that we're not, we are. And it's about to get even more chaotic because guess what? School season starts back up. Vacation season is about to be over. We're about to be in a whole new swing. And people are still trying to figure out how to do the whole work thing. Some people are still working from home. Some people are back in the office. Some people are still in in between, not really sure what to do. And it's still confusing because sometimes we're being told to wear masks and sometimes we're not. And we don't understand how we need to move forward best. And I think it makes us weary, but we just want to deny it. And I wonder how we could possibly sustain it all. The ministry of the church, the faith we cling to in our own lives, even our sanity. And so, I want us to do probably the most cliche thing that I think a pastor could ever suggest. Go ahead and put that out there, a disclaimer. This is the most cliche thing that I think I could say as an option for us moving forward. I want us to turn to prayer. Yeah, of course, yeah, that's of course what the pastor's going to say, turn to prayer. That very Christianese word that, you know, we we it's out there, but we don't really know why it's out there, and what does prayer even do, and how do we pray? You know, there, there are lots of people who don't like to pray in public because they're afraid that people are going to judge them for their prayers. That's like, you know, that's the prayer that I'm talking about there, that kind of prayer. It's cliche, but I want us to turn to prayer. But rather than the prayers that we're used to, I want us to turn to a type of prayer that John Wesley, the founder of modern-day Methodism, called spiritual respiration. All right, Spiritual respiration. This is the type of prayer in which we breathe out to God the very cries of our heart. And then God breathes into us, God's hopes for us, through prayer. Just as breath sustains us and gives us energy to keep going, so too does prayer sustain us and strengthens us in ministry, in our faith, in our daily lives. But what that means is that we might need to redefine how we understand prayer. You see, prayer is not just our wish list that we give to God. Like, you know, we we write our, our Christmas lists to Santa and we send them to Santa and we say. I promise I've been a good person this year, so please give me all of these things that are on my list. I'm sorry, but prayer does not work that way. Believe me, I've tried. (laughs) I've tried a lot. And you know what happens when we have that mindset is that whenever we think that if we're just good enough and we pray these things and we've been doing the right things, then God will answer it, but then God doesn't answer it the way that we want, we get this mindset that maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I don't have strong faith. And it's really toxic, and I just want to go ahead and squash that right now. That's not the kind of prayer that I'm talking about because God isn't a genie in a bottle that's here to grant our every wish and whim. Why? Because we have really bad wishes and whims. Largely selfish. Some of them are very selfless and we're praying for other people, yet we still miss out on what God is trying to do in our lives in their lives and in the world. And so when I say we need to redefine how we understand prayer, I'm saying we need to take notice of prayer As spiritual respiration, that we breathe out to God the very cries of our hearts. And God breathes back into us God's hopes for our lives. Prayer is meant to be our heart's cry to God and God's transformative spirit to us. We breathe out ourselves. We breathe in God. Prayer is not meant to be how we change God's mind. It's not like we have somebody who's really sick, and if we just pray hard enough, then maybe God will change God's mind and make everything better. That's not how God operates. God doesn't get changed by people who who are better people than other people. God's love is already perfect. Rather, prayer is God aligning, orienting our hearts towards God's hope for us orienting us toward god not not us changing god's mind but god changing ours yet this can be a bit difficult when we approach in prayer because what i'm I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask god for things but that we should just be mindful of what prayer means and how it shows up for us in our faith lives so I want to offer us a resource when it comes to prayer, an ancient resource, one that we've had all along, one that's right in front of you. I wish I could just say the Bible. I could say the Bible, and that would be great. But go go in even deeper into the Bible and turn to the Psalms. The Psalms. These are literally a guidebook to prayer and navigating the human experiences in faith. So this is one of those beautiful moments uh, in Scripture where the words of humanity, right? These are people, human people, praying to God out of the cries of their hearts. Pick up any psalm, read through it, and see. These are the words of people to God. And yet God has turned these psalms from the words of human beings to God into the words of God to human beings. So they do this guiding practice in a pretty peculiar way the psalms are human beings crying out to god while also showing us god's hope for us now there are many different types of psalms like it really depends on the 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 scholar that you read like you could go on google right now like pull up your phone and say different types of Psalms. Just type that in there. And, the, and I did this uh, earlier this week just to see like what would show up and I'll tell you exactly what shows up. Uh, one of the first uh, options is five different types of Psalms. The next option is 10 different types of psalms. The next option is eight different types of psalms. The next option is 20 different types of psalms. Uh, So yeah, it just depends on who you ask the different types of psalms. But by and large, they can be lumped into a couple of categories. And when I say a couple, I mean a lot of categories. Community lament psalms. Lament means crying out sorrow, mourning. Individual lament psalms. Specialized lament psalms. These are things like uh, penitent psalms or imprecatory psalms. And then we have community thanksgiving psalms, praising God for something. Individual thanksgiving psalms, and of course, specialized thanksgiving psalms, psalms of history and of uh, uh, of a person's trust in God. Then there are hymnic psalms, psalms that are meant to be sung as hymns, Liturgical psalms; these are psalms that are meant to be used for liturgical moments. There are a lot of them that have to do with, uh, with like the institution of a new king or uh, something to do with royalty, things like that. There are Torah psalms, psalms that call uh, the reader's attention back to uh, the instruction and guidance of God, and then there are wisdom psalms. The psalm that we are in today is a wisdom psalm that calls the reader and the psalmist to recognize. God's wisdom over human wisdom. And interestingly enough, the Psalms are aligned in five different books. So if you were to like flip open a Bible right now and you went to Psalm one, chapter one, the very first Psalm, you'd probably see above that book one. And then you get to Psalm chapter 42 and you'll see book two. This is how the Psalms are divvied up into five different books. The first book is Psalms 1 through 41. The second book is 42 through 72. Book 3 is 73 through 89. Book 4 is 90 through 106. And Book 5 is 107 to 150. I'm sure you've fully remembered that, and that will never be something you have to question ever again, right? Because I just spouted off a bunch of numbers to you. I'm just letting you know. The Psalms are divided up into these five different books, and it's meant to reflect the Torah, uh, the Psalms are very Torah centered. Uh, the Torah is the what we would consider the first. How many books of the Bible? Five. Five. Yeah. And how many books are there in the Psalms? Five. Look at this correlation. It's really pretty and everything. It's a uh, really a work of art, honestly. Um, but but so these correlations here, all of this is done with great intention to help the reader or the psalmist, the person who is utilizing the psalms, to to see them as guides. And it also lines up very well with the very first psalm. The first psalm sets the context for the rest, the the next uh, 149 of them. And it starts with something very interesting, a formula that should be kind of familiar to us, a beatitude. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. Uh, This word happy here uh, is dual translated. Sometimes it's happy, sometimes it is blessed. You might recall Matthew chapter five starts out with blessed are the poor blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, you know, all of these blessed statements. The exact same formula Jesus uses in the Beatitudes is what we have show up here in the very first Psalm. Happy are those who, da da da, or blessed are those who do this. And, and it comes from this word, this Hebrew word, Ashra, Ashra, which is simply meant to, uh, to denote true happiness. This is a statement of true happiness or what it looks like for a life to be fulfilled. So similar to the way that Jesus sets up the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, we have this Beatitude starting out the Psalms saying, as this acknowledgement, the fulfillment of human life looks like this. And the Psalms start us out in this guided prayer journey. It's beautiful. And what is the way of the one who is truly blessed or happy? Well, it's those who delight in the law of the Lord. But this law doesn't mean law like we understand it. We kind of got carried away with the word law in our own translations. Uh, It's not law like, you know, the Alabama state law or federal law, things that you have to obey, otherwise you're going to be uh, punished with some kind of severe punishment type of law. This is rather the word Torah, which simply means instruction or guidance right? That's beautiful. That, that whenever, whenever we have this, those who delight in the law of the Lord, what we really have here is those who are truly happy delight themselves in the instruction and guidance of the Lord. Now, how does this relate to prayer? Well, remember that prayer is not about us changing God's mind, but is rather uh, about God changing ours, through guidance, through instruction. And so prayer, according to the Psalms, is meant to draw us into the instruction and guidance of God. And it does, show, does so by showing us the seasons that we encounter in our own life and how we may pray through them to be reshaped by God. There are moments of great sorrow and moments of great joy in the psalms. There are all kinds of emotions. There are some psalms where the psalmist is crying out, I hate these people, God, and it would just be better if you would just slaughter them all. There are some very angry psalms there. I can't wait. Uh, Next week, we're going to get into Psalm 137. If you want to take a peek at that, it's gross. (laughs) It's like a really messy psalm. But each of these are trying to guide us through the different seasons of human life, trying to help us understand what prayer can look like and how we might be sustained in prayer. The psalmist does this by depicting this journey through life with one way being righteous, a superior way to another way, wickedness. And it sets up this prayer map. Perhaps one of the most notable lines in poetry Uh, like anywhere, comes at the end of Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken, which says the very, the very last three lines of this poem say, you could probably quote them, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So this concept is not new. There are two different roads. One of them more people take, one of them less people take, The road less traveled. The psalmist is going to set up the very same journey. The road less traveled is that that is the way of righteousness, whereas the the road that everybody else takes is the path of wickedness. But interestingly, when we hear Robert Frost's poem, we are often compelled by the notion that we are the ones who take the road less traveled. We take pride in this notion that I'm special, I'm unique, I take the road less traveled. Yet, Psalm 1 calls us to question that, to examine it, and to find our way back to the true road less traveled, to the path of righteousness, by saying, Are you sure? Are you sure you're not on a different route? And by asking that question, it sets up for us, this journey and calls our attention to prayer, which is meant to be our roadmap. Throughout the book of Psalms, we see the great journey of human experiences unfold with all of the joys and the sorrows and the confusions, and through it all, one thing is certain. The path worth taking on this journey is the path of righteousness, which is marked by delighting in the guidance of God, and we know that path through prayer. That is the roadmap for such a journey. And so my challenge to each of us today is to simply be in prayer through this season. I know that we are in an era of weariness. And I know that anything we start is going to be very difficult to sustain because we're exhausted from all the new things. We just want something to be stable. We want something to be normal. My challenge for us is to be in prayer. To be sustained through all of this in our faith in our daily lives just as psalm 1 is a, a psalm of guidance so too is another familiar psalm psalm 23 and so during this time i, I would like for you to recite with me the king james version of psalm 23 because that seems to be the one most people have memorized if you haven't memorized if you if not then just simply receive these words Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. We are in an era of weariness, and if we want to be sustained through it, if we want to see the church... Thrive in it. I believe we must take each day in prayer, and the Psalms are an excellent guide to prayer, as you see just by reciting Psalm twenty-three. And so, as we go throughout this series, I hope that you will read through the Psalms with us. Just there are five weeks in this sermon series. This is the first one there, are, so there are four more, but five weeks total in this. And funny enough, how many books are there in the Psalms? Five. Yeah. So it correlates pretty well. Look at me. I did that intentionally. <laughs> so so I, I want to encourage you during this, during this season to pray through the Psalms with us. That we might breathe out our cries to God and breathe in God's hope for us. That we might be sustained in prayer with Psalms as our guide. Let us pray.